This is the Multi-Geek Show, October cast number four. And now, a poem. Skeleton Man by Jason Methuselah McIntosh. Skeleton Man. He went to the park at dusk. What did he do? I'll never tell. Man of bones! How could this be? Skeleton Man. He went to the graveyard at the mid of night. What did he do? I'll never tell. Man of only bones! He walks like you and me! Skeleton Man. He went to the lake at dawn. What did he do? I'll never tell. Man of bones, how could this be? Skeleton man, he went to your house at dusk. What will he do? I'll never tell. So that was a poem by our very own Jason McIntosh. That's me. That's you. What is your real middle name? Christopher. <laughs> it's Steven. Oh, no way. Yeah? Oh. I was. I thought for a second maybe I'd pretend like I was kidding and then just go with whatever you said, and I thought, nah. Now you failed. I think I've asked you your middle name probably once a year since I've known you. That's fine. I don't remember yours. Guess. Don't guess it right. Jennifer. That's it. <laughs> it's spelled with a Y, though. Ah. It's Jenny with an I. No. Um... Now you wrote this poem. Um, you do you do mostly photography. You do uh, some drawings and things like that. And out of the blue, you wrote some spooky poems. Um, and this was one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, what prompted you to do that? Did you just kind of get in the mood to do that? Um, yeah, just I was listening to a lot of Tom Waits, and I don't know that that probably affected part of it, but uh, yeah, I just kind of was in the mood to write some poetry that's neat and and I, I love when that happens when i'll have a uh, like i guess that listening to all that inspired me to do it yeah it's tom waits is kind of he's got some like spooky uh things going on in his song well a lot of spooky things going on in his songs yeah and uh so does nick cave yeah. and uh so i love when an artist will inspire me and it kind of pulls from this area that i didn't realize i was creative in you know, because really you're you're not mimicking the artist, but you're emulating their style because mm-hmm. it inspires you. Mm-hmm. I love when that happens. Now, also, at that time, I, I was into drawing a lot of uh, like goblins and woodland creatures, things like that. Yeah, like um, you know, fantasy creatures and things. That's neato. Yeah. How old is that poem? Do you know roughly? Yeah, I submitted that on April thirteenth, two thousand eight. Oh, neat. All right. Well, that one's called Skeleton Man, and. Um, we will put a transcript of that on the site. Probably do a post. Um, you have probably, what is it, maybe four or five of these spooky poems? Yeah. I was thinking maybe what we could do is um, do some posts and perhaps do some uh, Photoshop pictures or some, uh, maybe, oh, maybe some um, iPhone paintings you could do. Like maybe do one of Skeleton Man oh. or, um, you know, do with, with whatever app you choose on the iPhone. But um, I thought that would be kind of cool because... What we're pushing towards with this podcast is creation mm-hmm. versus consumption. Mm-hmm. 
where it's like we want people to delve into being more creative themselves versus just consuming media that's creative. Not only creating and never consuming, but just balancing it out. Almost right. like, you know, where they say it's healthy to save, but it's also healthy to spend money as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you save too much and never spend. Um, so in the same way, there should just be a balance of, you know, you creating as well as you consuming things. Because, you know, this poem is a good example of you consuming something that inspired you to create. Mm-hmm. In in some ways. You know, that came from yeah. Jason. And if we would have never mentioned Tom Waits, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would have said, oh, that's Tom Waits. Yeah, you know, no, so... But... Um, so I'm just kind of saying to the, the listeners right now, um, if the mood strikes you, you don't have to be perfect at it or even, uh, quote unquote, know what you're doing. Just have fun and create something. But that would be fun to do. Yeah. And, and actually going back and reading these and thinking about it, it's kind of made me want to write some more now. <laughs> it's great. I love when stuff like that happens too, or I'll, I'll stumble upon something that I didn't quite finish, mm-hmm. whether it's a writing or a drawing and it makes me want to finish it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come across a drawing that you never finished, but you don't want to finish it because you're like, oh, I don't want to mess it up? Yes, yes, yes. I hate when that happens. Yeah. You know what that was great to fix that is good old-fashioned photocopier. Now you can scan something in and print it out, and it's the same. Mm-hmm. And then you draw it, and even if it's slightly different, then you scan it in again, and now they're the same. <laughs> like the, the pen versus the printed ink. Right, right. So, yeah. Well, without any further ado, we'll go ahead and switch it over to the uh, guest host portion of the show. So why don't you go ahead and take it away from the studio? Because if you miss Chupacabra, then you got half a brain. Hello, everybody. I am returned back to where I belong in your ears. For those who it is the first time listening, many, many, the shame on you. But I am the Chupacabra. And I have sauntered in on a magnificently shoed cloven feet to bring a little bit of class to this B or, uh, let's face it, C-list podcast, uh, Obscura. So, back at the team and Jason, for now. But, uh... Beware, because I'm gonna be back, and I am very hungry, and the closest thing to have to a green room in this place is a half-drank warm Diet Coke on the bathroom sink uh, in the ladies' room. So, uh, I'm gonna go get it. So, cheers, and uh, back to you. Thank you very much uh, for that, guest host. Whatever that was. It's good to have you. Ish. So... Um, this is the October cast where we're talking about things relating to October, uh, typically spooky things. Jason loves the spooky. So um, something that I thought of was there's been some news on Ghostbusters 3. Yes, they're remaking, not remaking. There's a sequel in progress to the original two Ghostbusters films that came out and were so brilliant. And right now, um, it's been confirmed that the Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 director... Ivan Reitman is 100% attached to Ghostbusters 3. So he hasn't said that he's going to direct it specifically yet, but it is definitely uh, something that he's on board to produce. And um, so everyone, almost everyone else associated with the first two films is completely on board. Um, Can I tell you, Jason, what worries me? Yes, you can. What worries me 
is that it looks like the people who wrote Year One have turned in a script. And Year One was full of, like, fart jokes and pee-pee humor. I see. I really hope that they don't go that route with Ghostbusters. Could they? I hope not. Hmm. I it, it, Like... Year one had funny parts, but then sometimes it was like, it seemed like one of those 80s movies, really. Which is, I guess, what you're going for with a Ghostbusters film, but, like, there were urine and feces jokes. Like, actual ones. Like, uh, it still has to be approved by someone. If that yeah, no, you're there, right. All of, I think, have to accept it. I think all of the people involved have veto power. Mm-hmm. Like, every actor, every producer. I had read that everyone from the originals uh, were were on board for it, including Bill Murray and Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver. Yes, I also read that. Um, but then I just saw a, a video interview online, and I think just a couple days ago, uh, with Bill Murray. He's saying he is not on, on board with it yet. Because he hasn't even read a script or anything. Oh. He says until he reads that and he likes it, he's not going to get on board with it. Huh. And, and you know he is famous for um, for or he is outspoken about the second movie and him he doesn't like it very much. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. He, I like it. He thought it was too heavy on the special effects. I think, and it, it wasn't as funny as the first one. Oh. So he doesn't really like the second one, and that's why he's hesitant to do a third. Hmm. How do you feel about the second one? I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I don't know if I. I I like the first or second better. I just like them both equally, I guess. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Both fun, I think. Yeah. Um, now, for this news being released now with Bill Murray, do you think that the reason why they're releasing all these other little news clips is so that Buzz builds so big <laughs> that they're like, see, see how much the fan want, you know, see how much the fans want this, Bill? I'm sure, I'm sure he knows how much they want it. Yeah. I mean, he... It took, I think it took a while, but he finally agreed to do the video game. Which right. was released. And that, before uh, the third movie was announced, that they, or uh, Dan Aykroyd was saying that the video game was the third movie, basically. Right. Almost how they did a, uh, remember, didn't they do an Army of Darkness, like with Ash? And one of the video oh. games was officially the sequel. Right. Something like that. I don't remember which one, but yeah. A great way now with technology being what it is to bring a property further than you could with a a motion picture because that involves so much of a budget and so much more planning and everything like that where a video game, while still large in scale of like how to make it and to produce it well, not as large as a motion picture. Mm -hmm. And you can take much more liberty. The characters can look younger, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a good way to explore... You know the next chapter, but mm-hmm. what do you what are you thinking about the uh, the fact that they're all going to be older and stuff? Because you didn't see Indiana Jones four yet, no. But seeing Harrison Ford that old on screen as Indiana Jones is is a, is a little weird at first. Do you get used to it? Uh, yeah. Hmm. That Does movie seem like Indy. <sighs> Bad directing. Though in parts, in parts him. he does. Oh, yeah, in he parts seems like he the does. At some yeah. In parts he does, but in other parts I I just feel uh, that movie has no soul. <laughs> it is George Lucas uh, prequeled it. It's mm-hmm. like Episode One, Indiana Jones. <laughs> so, do you think that um, 
movies like that where the the actors from the original are older they they shouldn't even try making sequels to them anymore no i think they should but i think if they handle the subject matter and the fact that they're older well and work it in without being really heavy-handed about it mm-hmm. like don't make it a, a a slapstick like look how old they are you know yeah like well so don't focus on the fact that they're old well maybe do focus on the fact that they're old but don't i don't know don't do what you tried to do with indiana jones 4 where it's like the movie was like well we can make shia labeouf the new indiana jones this will be great we'll just pass the torch and it's like no they did a bad job with that hmm. it just don't make it a vehicle for some young new actor to come in to make a new franchise. Yeah. Give the characters who we love a real story and an arc and make them have grown over the course of however many years. Mm-hmm. You know, with Indy 4, there is a script by Frank Darabont called Indiana Jones, and I believe it's called In the City of the Gods. Mm-hmm. It's flawless, in my opinion. It's perfect. And you can see George Lucas took parts of that. Mm-hmm. And then... He episode one did. He just made it like cheesy with these little elements that were just goofy that were not in the original script. The original script, and I'll just say this, whether you've seen the fourth movie or not, this is not in the fourth movie, but it's in the script. You know how Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes? Yes. Well, by now, he's overcome his fear. Okay. And in one portion of the script, he's eaten by a giant snake because things are growing you know, because of things happening in the jungle, like weird things, these these creatures are growing bigger and bigger. Uh-huh. And he cuts his way out of a giant snake. Huh. That is what I want to see Indiana Jones doing. I want to see him having have overcome that fear. He has overcome that fear. That's neat to me that he has character growth, but then show a flaw in another area. That's, you know what I mean? That seems a little too over the top for me, though. If you read it in the script, it's, well, think about Temple of Doom. If I told you, no, 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 the mine cars jump from track to track, <laughs> you'd be like, uh, uh, and I'll be like, right, right, right. And then they have this guy on what looks like a box spring mattress, and this dude pulls out his heart, but there's no blood. <laughs> you'd probably be like, um, and all these kids are slaves, and they're working? It's crazy. <laughs> and when they bring out the food, it's all snakes and bugs. You know what I mean? Like, if I say it that way, it sounds hokey, but if you read it in the script, it kind of fits. But... Looks like what they're saying is on this script, it's reporting that it begins as the Ghostbusters reopening their ghost removal service after it's been closed for years. And so we've heard that the film was is going to introduce a new generation of Ghostbusters. One of them's rumored to be mm-hmm. Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to be trained and mentored by the original Ghostbusters. I don't like that, that it keeps opening and closing. Well, they keep ending like, all the baddies, and then they go away. Remember Cheech Marin? He was in the yeah, second movie. About the Better late than never. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, that movie's neat to me. So they get rid of all the ghosts? I, I just said that I okay. off the cuff. It's kind of a joke. I don't know if they right. ever. Yeah, I, I just don't like that. You know, they they closed after the first one. They opened in the second one. Apparently, they closed again after the second. Now they're you know what would be better? Why do they keep closing and reopening? Let me let me see if this works for you. What, okay. if, what does this work? All right, check this out. Instead of them closing and reopening, what if this time they have become so franchised and they're spread all over the United States, they're like McDonald's, that they've got it totally under control, that there's nothing even dangerous around because there's so many franchises of different Ghostbusters mm-hmm. that there's no need for the originals because they have all these other people. Is that what it's going to be? 
No, I, I just made that up. So, then what does that matter? I'm just, just helping you feel better about it until it comes out. Oh, I don't. Okay. So, thanks. But then what happens is, is that because these, you know, because things aren't as dangerous, mm-hmm. as each new level of quote-unquote Ghostbusters come out, they're less and less, like, gritty and really trained. They're just homogenized, like, the handbook says, the da 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 You know, it's all easy and stuff. But then a big bad comes back. Uh-huh. And these newbies can't handle it. He is Vigo. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of... High on a mountain of skulls <laughs> on a throne of blood. <laughs> what is it? Death is but a door. Time is but a window. Uh-huh. I'll be back. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think I quoted that exactly, but I, don't know. I haven't seen that movie <laughs> in years. I wore that tape out yeah. when I had it as a kid, yes. I wore it so that the tape actually broke. Like, I had to get another copy of Ghostbusters 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of don't like how popular Ghostbusters has become. Why? Because I, 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 I'm seeing it too much now. It's like too many people are like it now. I, I don't understand that logic. <laughs> like, I've <laughs> heard... I'm like, not explaining it right. I know, but I... It, it just sounds it, it's, on the it's side of like, elitist, like, oh, everyone no, likes no, no, it no. now. No, 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 no. It's like it's oversaturated now. Like, everyone's always saying, oh, I love Ghostbusters. And, you know, you see everything online about Ghostbusters. It's like, it didn't used to be like that. Yeah. I mean, but doesn't that I make mean, you just happy that something... Like, kind of like this cult film from the 80s that... I, I know that, and I agree with you, it's certainly... I would say it's doubled in popularity. At least doubled. Yeah, but why is that? The video game. No, because even before that, it was... Really? I thought that yeah. the the planning up to the release of the video game really exploded its popularity because it's cross-platform and it's new, and even people who have never seen the movies would go, oh, it's a cool game, I'll get it, and then they were like, whoa, and maybe went back and watched the movies. Or maybe it's just one of those things like Ninja Turtles or, or one of those things in Hot Topic where people look back and go, oh, it's the nostalgia factor. They just think, well, Ghostbusters, how cool. Yeah, maybe. I missed out on that. Let's have a Ghostbusters party. I don't know, but... It's that it's oversaturated now, I think. I, in in the in my circles of, like, internet roaming, I don't see it as much as you do. Okay. So I'm just like, yeah. But I do agree that every geek that I talk to, they really do either love Ghostbusters and have for a long time or are getting into it now because so many people love Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. I mean, I don't mind if people like it. That's fine. It's just... I just see it too much everywhere these days. Well, let's see what our guest hosts have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that was the sound of apartheid being committed on my sense of humor. Thank you very much to the multigeeks. You never cease to deliver. Okay. Since, uh... Nothing else important is going on in this podcast. I'm going to abuse the fact that you are listening and uh, see if anybody is interested in a trade in our uh, fantasy crypt ball league. I know it's going to sound crazy because who doesn't want this guy, but I'm looking to get my hands on Bellsworth Krakenflagen. You know, he has been playing for the Rampage Rainbows now. Uh, now that they got him uh, back there, a uh, starting tackle uh, with his unicorn husbandry skills, um, he's projected at something like 50 broken bone points a game. And uh, 
as you and me both know. Broken bone points are directly correlated to how many bones they break, which, uh, that's impressive. So who, you ask, am I willing to trade for this fortuitous and gifted player? Well, you know, I don't have the best players, but, uh, I got, uh, Tickle Whisker Smith of the Eldorado Snitches, I'll trade you. Or, uh, I got, uh, Rupert Talwana Nucci of the Chimera de Lausers. Uh, he's pretty good. He's been doing good with his bloodletting. Um, but, uh, also, I'll give you a twofer where, uh, if you give me who I'm looking for, I'm, uh, I'm also, I throw in, uh, Janky Giblets of the Texas Tarpit Two Faces or, uh, Riblet Franken Ochocinco of the Cesspit Gully Martyrs. Alright, well, the producer's giving me a nasty gesture. So, uh, back to the multi geeks, but, uh, but seriously, let me know if you want to do some trading. Thank you, guest hosts. Yes. <laughs> what are you looking at you over pause. there? Um, um, actually, I still don't know what I'm looking at. I didn't read it. I just see the picture here, and uh, <laughs> this is going. It down. looks like one of the ghosts from the haunted mansion. Overcast. Um, yes, it is the Hatbox ghost from the haunted mansion. Um, but I'm not sure what the article is saying about it. Um, it may just be telling about it. the ha- the Hatbox ghost was a ghost that they had originally in the haunted mansion. I guess, I'm guessing Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. And uh, it, it had this effect where it, it's it's this like guy with a top hat and a cane, and he's holding a hat box, and the effect was supposed to be his hat or his uh, head disappears from his his shoulders and appears in the hat box. I see. But it didn't ever work out how they wanted, so they removed it. So it's been kind of this like... Mm, Almost like a, a cult... Disney yeah, icon, say that, like a some, yeah, kind of like, like a rarity, right? Like a topic of quizzes and you know mm-hmm. trivia. Like, what do you know? What the Disney Hatbox Ghost is, <clears throat> right? Um, so there was a that looks like Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead, <laughs> <laughs> and he's dead. That's where he went. Um, so I, I was just joking around, and I said I was saying. For the for the low cost of nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, this could be yours. But um, somebody, and then I told you that that is almost true because yeah, they made a replica, an exact replica of the original Hatbox Ghost, and at the D twenty three Expo, they had an auction there and they auctioned it off, and I think it got over nine thousand dollars that somebody spent on it. Oh man! So that was that's actually. And I wasn't thinking of that when I said it, but I, I just remembered that. To have $9,000 to spend on a hatbox ghost. Ah, the luxury. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'm betting... Okay, it better be a corporation. Because if that's an individual... No, it's an individual. Because he's posted pictures on Facebook. Sir, I am going to abstain from saying mean things to you right now, no. sir. Whoever you are. The... um. The podcast I listen to, it's a Disney podcast called Inside the Magic. The host, uh, Ricky Briganti, he really loves the Haunted Mansion. He has a, a entire room in his house devoted to the Haunted Mansion where he has all kinds of crazy merchandise in it. 
and you know it's decorated like the haunted mansion and everything it has uh, special effects he made his own uh, madame leota head in a crystal ball that wow. works with a real human head yes um and so he was at that auction and he was bidding on this because he absolutely wanted to have that and he said he stopped at 8000 cuz and even he because he didn't even eight thousand was a little much. He didn't. He really didn't want to spend that much. But well, he didn't want to be haunted by the ghost of divorce <laughs> and his kids not eating. Oh, God. Ooh, that's some spooky alimony, Ricky. <laughs> but okay, look, I understand you know being in a spooky merchandise and things like that but that's a lot of money to spend i, I guess but i guess everybody has their quirks yeah. but I, I can't imagine a single item that i would spend eight thousand dollars on if you have the money though and it's your passion you're, I mean, no you're i guess you make it you make a very valid point i mean we think it's crazy because <laughs> we don't have anywhere near that much no money. especially not to spend on right. a hat box ghost right so but if you i mean if you have it well it's your money. You made it. No, that's true. You know, the economy's in the pooper. Why don't you buy yourself a uh, an animatronic? Yep. Hey. Well, in the nature of the October cast, we've been discussing uh, just kind of like the history or just little uh, tidbits about October and or spooky things and or uh, Halloween. And so one of the things that we haven't talked about yet um, is candy. One of the biggest parts of Halloween is going around and getting candy for free. Um, so Begging. Begging, as they call it. And so, um, I don't know, I just kind of want to talk about candy and, and um, you know, how in the world did it get associated with Halloween, number one, and then number two, just the different types of candy, and then um, some other little things that are only around Halloween regarding candy. Do tell, Tim. Well, a very long time ago, it started out going door to door, and people would receive food in Britain and Ireland. Um, and this was something called souling, where um, children and poor people, they'd sing and say prayers in return for cakes. And that was, you know, many, many years ago. What kind of cakes? I'm guessing funnel cakes? No, I just made that up. But perhaps um, little Debbie cakes? Were they hot cross buns? <laughs> Could those be considered cakes? Still? Sure. Okay. They are. They're hot cross buns. <laughs> and you use cross buns to ward off doughy Draculas. Uh, oh, come on. I got a, I just got banned from the internet for that. <laughs> but then, it, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, the 20s, um, it was actually common for children in costumes... Um, to go to just like um, various stores and shops and things like that. And what would happen is those those children would get nuts and candies. Mm. Oh, wait, actually, it was a little earlier than that. It was like uh, 1911, 1915, something like that. But um, it was really in Canada, and they reported that it was normal for smaller children, and they called it street guising. And on Halloween, between about six and seven, they'd visit shops and then even some of their neighbors, and they'd get rewarded with nuts and candies, and they would do rhymes and songs. And then it slowly just started becoming part of popular culture. More and more people did it. It spread from Canada down to the United States. Um, and did you know that actually in the in the U.S., 
there was no trick or treating was kind of stalled because they were rationing sugar in April 1942 because of World War II. Hmm. So um, that didn't end until like 1947. But it started slowly getting more, you know, from 47 into 40, you know, just into the the late 40s into the 50s. It started becoming more popular. It was on television. Um, uh, Walt Disney did their cartoon in in, uh, 52, and it was called Trick or Treat. Um, And they were just just popular, like the Jack Benny show did some things about it and stuff like that, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. And so it started to become more and more a part of popular culture, and then it evolved just giving out candy. Mm Mm-hmm. So it wasn't nuts and treats, and the singing kind of went away. And so that's how they started giving out candy on Halloween. Ah. So here's my question. Where in the flip did candy corn come from? I don't know where. I don't know. But I'm just thinking, well, I might. Because how can you talk about Halloween without talking about candy corn? That's that's one of the things that only comes around during Halloween. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, well, first of all, you said before, you just said this during the taste test show, you don't like candy corn. I love it, actually. That's not true. <laughs> no, it's not. I was going to say, you said... lied to everyone. You did. And it's I, on yeah, tape. Yeah. It's it's pretty gross. Yeah. Well, it was around since about 1880. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a candy company. Candy company. <laughs> there was a candy... <laughs> no, we'll call him that. <laughs> there was George Candy Company. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of the Wonderl Candy Company. And uh, here's what I don't get. The three colors are supposed to mimic corn, mm-hmm. is what they say. So I'm trying to figure out what portion of corn is orange. The middle. The middle of corn is orange? <laughs> You've never had corn, have you? You've seen pictures on the internet. But they say that each... each piece is the size of about a kernel of corn but oh, i'm trying yeah, to be- right yeah like what corn are they talking about <laughs> orange corn with kernels the size of my knuckles <laughs> can you imagine the popcorn baseballs we could make uh. the popcorn sounds would put veterans into shell shock it'd be like seriously it's like every time you go to sit down and have a nice little bowl oh let's have some popcorn Grandpa thinks the Viet Cong are outside. (laughs) So, anyway, it says that it's a yellow base, which we all know. And you see the the orange center and then the white tip. And I still can't understand. I guess that they're saying that the orange is somehow associated with Thanksgiving. I don't know. The point is, (laughs) candy corn is really a pack of lies. There's no relation to what they're saying it's related to in my eyes. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, email us, multigeekshow at gmail.com. But, um, I can't continue without talking about this. <laughs> this just came up on my RSS. All right, Jason reader. has his, you know, he has his Google Reader open. Huh. And we're just talking about Indiana Jones 4. If you've seen Indiana Jones 4, there's a scene. Okay, this is a sp- tiny spoiler alert. Trust me. Spoiler alert. You don't care. Trust no, me. No, you don't. Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the care. Crystal Skull. There is a, a section of this film where Indiana Jones mm-hmm. wanders on like a senile old man. He wanders <laughs> onto a nuclear test site. Yeah, you heard me. Uh. And then he gets into a refrigerator to save himself <laughs> from 
a nuclear blast. Doesn't work? Oh, it works. Well, then what's the problem? Well, you know, because, you know, in every post-apocalyptic movie we've ever seen, uh-huh. once the nuclear blast has happened, there is nothing left except all these edifices of dried, cracked earth covered in refrigerators. Yeah. You just see nothing but refrigerators because refrigerators will survive a nuclear blast. It's true. That's so why don't we just make everything out of refrigerators? Make me a bunker out of refrigerators. People don't think ahead, Tim. Well, Indiana Jones does. <laughs> oh, you bet he does. He does. And so there is an action figure right now of Indiana Jones in the refrigerator. <laughs> Why would you immortalize that <laughs> in plastic? It's bad enough that you made me watch it with my eyes. <laughs> and now you're making me relive it every time I walk by? Mm. And also, not only that, you're going to be paying $175 for it. Oh, I'm not. Oh! And anyone who is, for shame. For shame on you. That is, oh my gosh, that's so That's funny. almost as bad as spending $9,000 on, because I'm all about creations and imagination and all that good stuff, but anyway, that's a... You know what? And you might be asking yourself, well, how does this fit in the October cast? Because that's spooky, people. <laughs> that is what we have. That's what we have for a fourth Indiana Something Jones movie. That floats my boat. That's... <laughs> if I had the money, I would totally buy that. Because... That's... Because you know I loathe it. Yes. As you eat a chocolate eyeball. Mm-hmm. That has peanut butter in it. Yeah, that's delicious. Well, okay, here's another thing. That's an actual fact, though. Eyeballs have peanut butter in them. They do. And corn, the center of corn is orange, Mm -hmm. which is by the ocular receptors, Mm -hmm. which are filled with peanut butter. They actually flip the image and resize those images. And anybody anybody whose eyes see that Indiana Jones toy and think it's good, your eyes are full of something other than peanut butter. Have you ever seen the Oculus Infernum? No, I don't know what that is. Okay. Continue. Okay. Well, how about that? What is it? The Eyes of Hell? No. Oh. It's what can stop Dracula. All right. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yes. I think I learned that in Sunday school. <laughs> oh, God. All if right. If you learned that in Sunday school, I would have loved Sunday school. <laughs> Me too. I was mostly, and this is terrifying, the felt boards and the awful like Bible cutouts that they used to use, and it would be like the same three characters for every story. Well, mm-hmm. anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but about candy corn, just to kind of wrap that up, really, it's just corn, syrup, uh, honey, and sugar. And they originally made it by hand, and so um, Brax, you know, Brax Candy Company, they are pretty much the biggest seller of candy corn every year. And they say that each year that Americans eat enough of that candy corn that if the kernels were laid end-to-end, it would circle the earth 4.5 times. That's a lot of candy corn. Yep. Yeah. That's a lot of fat people. (laughs) That is is exactly right. So um, just thinking about that and then thinking about the different kinds of candy, um, we're talking about candy corn, but I also wanted to get into the chocolate eyeballs that you have here and then some of the other chocolates. Um, which kind of segues into something else that I wanted to talk about, which is Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Now, you went to that. It's true. It's not so scary. It's not so scary. It's not meant to be. 
You got tons of candy from that. Oh, yeah. So why don't you do me a favor? Tell me a little bit about just that experience because we have interest in Halloween Horror Nights, but that versus Mickey's Not-So-Scary I keep wanting to call it Not-So-Scary Christmas Party. (laughs) I wish you would. But Mickey's Not-So-Scary Christmas Party on Halloween. No. Tell me a little bit about that, the atmosphere, what they do, why it's interesting to you, and, and whether you liked it or not. Yes, it's true. You get free candy. So you enjoyed it. Yes. Um, <clears throat> it's mainly for, um, well, it's for everybody, but it is kid-friendly, I guess, is the appeal to most people right. that have kids. But uh, you can dress up in costumes, um, and you go around. They have these little outposts that you go to and trick-or-treat at. So it's and pretty much a safe alternative for just going around a neighborhood. Yeah. Also a fancy alternative with yeah. probably some pretty high dollar candy. Um no, not really. Why don't you pass me one of those peanut butter eyes and we'll talk about it. Uh, um <laughs> Oh, you think these are high dollar candies? They taste like it. Yeah, they're very good. But that. they're I don't know why they're kind of melting. It's not very hot in here. But um Yeah, mostly I mean, what you see here is just, I just took the chocolate candy. Because that's all I really wanted, and I gave the rest of my family. Right, like the but, sweets um, and things you weren't looking for. Like the rest was like sweet tarts and uh, lollipops, Tootsie Rolls. Um, a lot of like fruity sweet candies. Dots, those gummy kind of mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah, I don't really like all that stuff. I do. I like chocolate. But there is one thing mm. that is not chocolate that I do love, and this is the only place I've ever seen it or ever heard of it at. What is it? It's called a Chico Stick. Have you ever seen or heard of that? No. What he's holding in front of me is what... It looks like one of those little... It's about the size of one of those strawberry candies. Have you ever seen those candies that look like the wrapper is a strawberry? Oh, yeah. Right? It's about that size, mm-hmm. except that the wrapper is transparent, and it almost looks like... You know what it looks like? You know those double bubble? Those, like, cheap pieces of bubble gum? That's about the size of it for the listeners. I don't know. It's got the two twists on either side, and it's clear, but what is a Chico stick? Here I have a few. I'll let you have one. It is basically the inside of a Butterfinger. Really? Yes, it's very good. Okay. Well, I'm actually touched that you gave me one of your incredibly hard-to-find candies. Yeah, this is the only place I ever get them. I've never seen them anywhere else. Okay, well, I'm going to eat this while we discuss... um, how Disney makes Halloween neat and spooky versus terrifying and scary. Um, I'm going to take a bite. Does that mean I have to talk while you chew? Perhaps. I'm chewing also, though. Hmm. What do you think? A little more sweet than that? Yeah, I was going to say at first it had almost a fruit tinge. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Look it up on Wikipedia right there. Okay. It's on there. So that's part of the event, the trick-or-treating. But, um... And you can go to these outposts multiple times. I think there's uh, 13 of them. Um, So we did that a couple times, but we didn't want to spend all night just getting candy. Um, So, you know, we went on the Haunted Mansion. They have that all dressed up kind of. uh, You know, there's fog outside, uh, different lighting for it. There's a woman outside on the lawn of the Haunted Mansion, Um, you know, like interacting with guests, telling jokes and things, stuff like that. Was she dressed in, like, a spooky costume, like uh, one of the curators of the haunted house? <clears throat> well, you know, she looked, you know, she had, she looked ghost-like. I think she had a bride costume on. Maybe not the bride costume. 
some kind of Victoria, Victorian era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what I was guessing. Yeah, so um, there's that. And early in the night, we, we, don't, we went on uh, the Haunted Mansion twice, once when we uh, first got there and the second time during the first parade. And then after that, that line was like 20 minutes long, maybe wow. longer when we went past it. <clears throat> um, so they also have a special fireworks show where they do it's a it's a whole special show with its own audio and uh, the villains you know or they have oh, okay the Disney villains and things like that yeah um, is it spooky based like that kind of thing yeah. or is it just villainous like almost like the villain parade you know how they have that parade where it's mostly villains mm, I don't remember that oh, okay I might have made that but, up. Uh, <laughs> Um, so they have a special like firework de- designs relating to each villain that is speaking. Um, then there's the parade, and uh, a couple minutes before the parade starts, the headless horseman tears through the parade route. That's so awesome to me. On a big black steed with no head, and uh, he's holding a jack o' lantern, you know, like in the cartoon. Yeah, movie. like Disney's Sleepy Hollow cartoon. Yeah. How terrific. It's great. That's so cool to me. So, uh, Disney's good at those little touches, high quality like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Um, for the parade, we developed this kind of by accident last year. Uh, we got to the very beginning of the parade route a half an hour before it started, so nobody was set up there yet. So we got right at the line where the parade would be. And, um, you know, it goes by, then you have a front row seat to see everything. But the last two floats are for uh, Goofy's Candy Company. And um, the people walking around those floats are handing out candy that they have in these satchels that they're carrying. That's great. And that's where all the sweets came from. That's where all the chocolate came from. Oh. Most of the chocolate. Um, So you 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 just put your bag out and they dump candy in it. And so after that's over, Adrian and and I... uh, run to the front of the park before the parade gets there. So we watch the whole thing over again. So it's like seeing the same parade twice. Right. And, you know, then the end of the parade comes and they're still giving out candy. So we get it a second time. You're double dipping. And since it's the last parade of the night and it's the end of the parade, the end of the route, they're just giving away whatever they have left in their sack. So By the scores. Yeah. So we got all that. Then, so that was the end of the night. Then after that, we uh, left the park, and there were people out front of the park handing out candy. Lots and lots of chocolate candy. Mostly those chocolate eyeballs. Oh, neato. And so, and they were giving giant handfuls of the stuff, and more than one handful you would get. And the, the lady I was at, there was no one else around. She, I was the only one she was giving candy to, and she said she was almost out, so she'd just give me the rest, which was like maybe four handfuls of it. That's so great. So I got a lot of free chocolate. Man, that's really neat. It was fun. Now, how much extra is that to get in? Mm. Isn't it extra? Because I know you're a uh, yeah. seasonal pass holder, but what is yeah, the... Yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, because it's, um, it, from what it's I understand... It's a special ticket. It, yeah, yeah, it's a hard ticket, they call it. Right. Like, um... I don't remember how much it was. It was. I think it was like fifty-four. I think fifty-four dollars. And then how long does it last? Is it from like dusk? It's or? from seven to midnight. Gotcha. Because I've been made to understand that what this is is actually they do this in Disneyland, Florida, 
you know, and Disney then they do World Florida. I'm sorry, Disney World Florida and Disneyland Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this this actually began in, in response to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. Um, but this is more of a like you said, this is the family atmosphere. Universal's is more terror. You know, they want to frighten you and it's gory and things like that. Whereas yeah. this is for kids. Yeah. Um, but it's for everybody. Right. I'm sorry. Family. Yeah. Right. And then it says that usually you're not allowed to like normal rules in the park at Disney. If you don't know this, any guest over the age of nine, you can't dress in a costume. That's all throughout the whole year, except for during the not so scary Halloween party. And then this rule is waived. Um, and you can dress in a costume. What I think is funny, though, is that Disney characters, if you dress as a Disney character, they say that you're prohibited from signing autographs or posing for pictures with other guests so that they don't confuse you with actual characters who work at the, the place. I'm not... I haven't seen that enforced because I've seen people... And they were... T- how were they dressed? They were like professional costumes, but they were guests. And they were dressed as whom? Like Jack Sparrow or the princesses or whatever. Wow, and they were? Oh, wow. Um, Meanwhile, what you don't know is that the instant you turn away, these these quote-unquote guests in costume are being black-bagged over the head <laughs> and taken to real spooky gallows where uh, animated Donald Duck, who's like all ghostly white, mm, hangs them. I see. And that's how they enforce it. And that's how you keep a family-friendly atmosphere with fear. Oh, that works. Um... Every year there is these <clears throat> these uh, three guys that come as the hitchhiking ghosts. That's great. And they have professional costumes. Like, they are great looking. Really? Yeah. And so people will get pictures with them and everything. That's neat. Well, how about, uh, let's see if we can find pictures of them and post it. Okay. But in the meantime, before we switch to our next subject, why don't we go to our guest hosts, and see what they have to say. Why, thank you so very much uh, for hosting this as our guests. Now, Jason and I had a really, really cool opportunity, and we wanted to save this for the end of the uh, October cast because this is going to have some spoilers in it. Not awful, but some. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, as Jason says. And um, Jason and I had an opportunity today to go backstage behind the magic of Universal Studios. Well, actually, behind the terror of Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. Um, and this was a really cool experience for us. Um, so Jason, you, you've been Halloween Horror Nights, how many years? You've been a lot, more than anyone else I know. Uh, what year is this event? This Wait, is, what year? This is the 19th, so I have been 18 years. Wow. I started in 92 and that was the second year they did it. Wow. So you didn't go the first year? No, I wasn't, I don't think I was in Florida. So you missed 1991, which we saw this awesome film today. Okay. First of all, I just want to give a special thank you to uh, Evans High School and Mr. Martin over at Evans High School. He's the one who helped us um, get in 
And actually, he took his students from Evans High School. It was his drama students as well as his... Uh, I know that they're... I don't know exactly what the name of the class is, but it's technical stage lighting and uh, set building. And so this was really cool for them because they got to go behind the scenes and see how these haunted houses are lit um, and how they're built. And it was very intriguing. But we started out by watching a video. Now, have you ever seen this video, like Jason, or anything like this? Like, did you know some of the things that you heard in this little video? Yeah, I've seen uh, different behind-the-scenes things for for this event. Cool, because... But I I, haven't seen that exact video before. So did you know that it started out, like, with one haunted house, and it was just kind of like... It started Three nights as, uh, a, Fright Nights, it was called, I think. That's what it was. Universal Studios Fright Nights, and um, it was one haunted house. What was it called? Like the Dungeon? So, of- I've been to every Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, good call. No, it's a good call, because I know it... Okay. <coughs> it was Fright Nights, and then it was Halloween Horror Nights in 92, mm-hmm. even though it was the quote-unquote second annual. Yeah. And then, what's crazy is it started as Three Nights... And now it's, what, like between 23 and 25 nights a month of the, in the month of October? I think he said 22. 22? Yeah. So something I want to do is I want to give it over to you, Jason, because I've been Halloween Horror Nights, I think, two times. Maybe three. So tell me, going today, going behind the scenes, we actually got to go in three different haunted houses while they were lit for the technicians to work on them. Seeing this, seeing behind the scenes, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Is it what you expected? Um, I don't know. You, you're just so much more experienced than I am at Halloween Horror Nights. Was seeing this and seeing all that went into it, was this surprising? Or were you just like, well, no, I can imagine this is kind of what I expected. You right. know, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yeah, it's pretty much what I expected. I mean, I've seen, like I said, I've seen behind the scenes videos. I've seen... Um, every year, months before Halloween Horror Nights uh, opens, there's always um, leaked photos of behind the scenes and haunted houses and stuff. Oh, I see. So, I mean, I've kind of seen this stuff a lot. I just ne- I've never seen it in person in, in that manner. I see what you're saying. But so it, it, to me, it was basically the same. It just didn't have all the effects turned on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things was that we saw a... Um, it was a little backstage area. Well, first of all, we were near the we were at the sound stages. Mm-hmm. Like these are actual studios that they film whatever uh, they have, like you know, plaques on the wall. They film anything in there that'll fit. They film uh, television shows, television commercials. Um, they did like a, a still photo shoot for the hover round. They did like huh. laundry detergent commercials, um, and so you're seeing like sound stages. You're on a back lot, really. Mm. And we were walking by, and they had a bunch of rows of costumes. And uh, it turns out that the characters, or scare actors, however you want to say it, there's a, like an A and a B of the same character. Is that what he was saying? Where there's like, he was saying that for every character you see, there are two. There's an oh. A and a B. Yeah, so they can switch out for breaks. And every 30 minutes. Yeah. And that they clean the costumes every night. That they don't ask a scare actor to put on number one a dirty costume, or number two someone else's costume. Mm-hmm. Like you're assigned your costume, and they clean them every night. But we started just taking a couple little snapshots, and it was no big deal. But we had to erase those photos. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and do you remember why? Licensing. Yeah, because they licensed the Wolfman from whatever movie studio, which I thought Universal owned the Wolfman, but I guess maybe not the new one. Um, but the um, why don't, can you look that up real quick to see like what what movie studio is doing that now? Because they said they licensed the Wolfman and the uh, that was the only haunted house we couldn't take photos in. We got a lot of cool photos in uh, Dracula, and then we also got a lot of cool photos in Frankenstein or Frankenstein's castle. So it's not the monster, but the doctor's castle. And um, there was some really neat stuff when you go through. And see all of that stuff with the lights on. But I, I thought it was interesting that we had to delete the photos because licensing. They control all of the images associated with the media that come out of Halloween Horror Nights. So you can't even have a photograph of backstage or a photograph of the haunted house because that is digital media that was taken of their intellectual property that that they don't have control over. And that's breach of contract. Um, so they were giving us the backstage tour going through the whole deal, telling us all about how they make these haunted houses. And uh, something that I thought was really interesting. Did you find it? Did you see which movie studio? Uh, it says it's distributed by Universal. Huh. The studio, it says it's relatively media, it's called. That's interesting. I wonder if the rights, like how do they get the rights? Or... I don't know. Hmm. Danny Elfman is doing the music in it, though. Maybe... Just maybe Halloween Horror Nights is, um, okay, when I used to work um, in the publishing industry, even if we had, like, work that we did in-house, like, if I needed something done on a book, I would go to our book department, but they would still charge our department for their time. They had to account for it. So maybe Universal still has to use the like in-house charged rates like yeah you can use this licensing but it's this much to use it for halloween horror nights or something like that i don't know Mm -hmm. the way our guide was talking it was as though universal didn't own the rights to the wolfman yeah which was strange to me um now how cool is this have you ever asked yourself how they pick the theme for halloween horror nights like jason have you ever asked yourself that i i always just assumed it was a collaboration with the creators and designers right just decided what they were going to do well it was cool because that was a question i asked i said hey how do you guys pick your theme Mm -hmm. and i was told that marketing is king it's the golden rule whoever has the gold makes the rule that's what he said (laughs) and it's that when they pick these themes it's not because they are simply saying Oh, you know, it'd be great this year. Hey, I have a creative idea. Let's do this. Is that the marketing guys come and go, all right, here's what we found successful. Um, We really think that the year that they did Freddy, Jason, and Leatherface, we had so many more people come. The year we did Bloody Mary, not as many. And which makes sense. I mean, doesn't that make sense to you? He said people don't see the commercial across the country and go, oh, we got to go see Bloody Mary. Yeah. But they say, I got to go see Freddy. I got to go see Jason. Mm-hmm. I got to go see Leatherface. Which is why this year they did a theme which I think ripped from the silver screen is just a creative way to do three other horror icons that they haven't done yet. Right. Which is Jigsaw from Saw or the, you know, the puppet, whoever you want to, you know, however you say it. 
um, Chucky, and then the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Which, interesting mix. But I thought it was interesting yeah. that the marketing decides the haunted houses, well, at least the main theme, and then how they can sell it. Mm-hmm. Now, was that surprising to you? Yeah. It, that was the most interesting part, I think. It was really cool just to show that, hey, if people are going to buy it, we'll do it. But if not, mm, we're going to have to just go with what we know is going to sell versus just go creative, go nuts, be as scary as you want. Mm. I just wonder how many really cool ideas have been rejected. Yeah, no, that's true. And then I wonder how many Bloody Marys and ICUs have come through that are like, eh. Yeah. You know, versus like there have been some years where it's like kind of lame. Like ICU, I think was one of the lamest. Yeah, uh, which is like intensive care unit, quote unquote, or ICU. Like I see you, but it was like this. <laughs> it was a stretch. They were like, yeah. they tried to make it the evil brother of one of the clown mascots who escaped the emergency room. It was goofy. Yeah, but um, I just wanted to talk about. I I wanted to ask him more questions, our guy, but I didn't want to steal like time from the students. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be like, so do you um have the opportunity to create the mini haunted houses then? Like, I thought maybe he had the opportunity to just go nuts with those. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of cool to see how they sketch it out and then computer model all of them and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of the haunted houses that we toured, we toured Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman, which that's a great mix. Which do you think will be the most interesting to walk through with the lights down and the characters in it, like full on? Uh, I, I don't really don't know. They all kind of blended together for me. Yeah? They all pretty much looked the same to me. They did look similar, like two castles. And then the woods, though. I really like the Wolfman. Yeah. Again, we said spoiler alert. There's woods involved. It's like, and they made the, oh, this was so cool. You remember the smell? Yeah. They have different smells for different haunted houses. <clears throat> One of the smells in the Wolfman is actually, it smells like, burning wood like almost like a fire in a gypsy camp mm-hmm. which that was neat yeah and you start out the haunted house and it's these two wagons kind of pushed together and this little gypsy camp and then you go in and it's like um a forest and all these trees are there and then you go through and then it's like the mental hospital i think where they have him when they think he's crazy mm-hmm. that's gonna be pretty cool i think uh what was that tour guide's name frank rick oh rick um wasn't he saying that the dracula one's gonna be one of the scariest. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. When when there are characters in there and moving parts and the the effects they have in there, because right now it's without tech. Yeah. None of the sound, none of the lighting, none of the tricks. Um. And so, it was cool though because a lot of them that you wouldn't think they're built on the same soundstage. Because we just walked right over from one to the other. They just build them in such a way. See, that confused me a little because we went through the first one. We turned a corner, and I thought that we were going back to the beginning of that one, and it was a different one. So I was a little confused at first at how they were both fitting because they looked like they both ran into each other. Yeah. But they're just next to each other. Right. So you would never... Because I, I just... Maybe I he was saying something, but he was up front, and I was in back, and I didn't hear what he was talking about, but that just... um took me by surprise well and it it was um jarring to see it with the lights on because they do touch up right against one another yeah but you'd never know that with the lights off Mm -hmm. oh and in the wolfman 
there were all these, all the curtains around the entire soundstage had LED lights that looked like stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. It made me more excited to go. It didn't ruin anything for me at all. No, no, I don't think it ruined anything. Um, Plus, they're, they're not the big houses anyway. Yeah. Well, Wolfman's one of the big houses. Oh, right. But um, one of the things I thought was most interesting is that one of the tech guys said they'll use anything for lighting. Yeah. I like anything. He said, like, I thought that was cool, too, because when I'm taking pictures sometimes and I want to have cool lighting, like, I'll use anything that works to make it look cool, uh-huh. like any kind of lighting. Like, you know, it could be, like, those little things. I bought these little, uh, like, LED lights that stick on your fingers at yeah. Albertsons for, like, a dollar, and uh, I use those for different colors. And they work very well. Yeah. So it was cool to hear the tech guy at Universal say, Oh, we use those little lightsabers. Yeah. We use anything that puts off light, we'll use. I like that. I yeah. That was cool. It also just kind of goes to show you that it's about the result, not always yeah. the process. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I can get the result from a pen light. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, set up my iPhone, get one of those flashlight apps that has different colors, mm-hmm. and then just tilt it, you know, or whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he was saying if it has light coming out of it, We'll use it. I thought that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the Rat Lady? Yes. You know the lady. I haven't seen her in a while. I think they said she moved on. She's actually playing saxophone in a band somewhere. Yeah, that's what they said. Didn't they say they got a new one though, or not? I think for this year they might have. You know, I I think um, the first few years I, I saw her, and then they kind of. Like they wheeled her around in this um, glass. I remember coffin. that. Yeah, and uh, it's a glass coffin full of rats. Right, but I haven't seen her a lot recent or at all recently. And uh, they they had this. Um, I can't remember if it was a man or a woman, but in one of the houses, you were walking and you looked down, and it was all black. And then the light would turn on, and you'd be standing on top of glass. And inside it was a man, and he was covered in roaches, or a man or a woman, I can't oh, remember. Oh, snap. Like, right under you. So that was kind of cool. But I haven't seen that again, either, anything like that. Huh. It See, seems like that the kind of extreme stuff they, they don't do anymore. Hmm. I know, it's funny. It Probably because it's hard to handle all that many roaches. Well, probably. Like, because I... <laughs> I thought it was funny what he was saying about the rats. Yeah. Like, it leave them by themselves and they'll just fall asleep like because they're well fed like yeah. trained rats they're not right. like so they leave little bits of peanut butter and stuff in yeah there. so that they're constantly moving around and eating yeah her dress is also um elastic at the feet and at the arms so that they can't get in they're all in her clothes to yeah. her clothes i bet that the roach coffin or whatever was under there mm-hmm. he probably had a suit like that where it was like you mm-hmm. couldn't get it. And then I bet you that the head had a separator. You couldn't see it, but I bet you, unless they were on his face. I honestly don't remember. Like, you know what I mean? I don't so think they, there was a separator. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of out there. Yeah. Because you can't. It took me by surprise. I'm just looking down, and all of a sudden, there it is. You're like, what? It's crazy. So, but it was really, really neat to go back behind the scenes to see what they really do back there. Um Something else I thought was interesting is that those characters or even, like, the talent, like, if you see, um, you know, guys who are walking around with no shirts on and they're supposed to be buff, they say that if they start gaining weight, they won't renew their contract. Mm -hmm. Or if you're supposed to be a big guy, 
you know, like a big fat clown, say, yeah. and you start losing weight, they won't renew your contract. They right. said it's really important to stay in the shape you're hired in because that's why they hire you. And that was, he was talking about for any show, I think. They're not yeah. just Halloween Horror Not Halloween, yeah, he was saying for anything. He also said uh, the chainsaw people really need to be in shape. Yeah. Because it's hard carrying around the chainsaws all night and dealing with them. And they have a technician that's just in charge of fixing the chainsaws mm-hmm. when they're not running. Which it makes sense that you'd have to carry around that chainsaw for four, five, and six hours. That's heavy. Back uh, in the early 90s, they used to, they would actually actually touch, the. there's no blade on the chainsaw, but they would touch where the blade would be on the back of your leg and buzz it on the back of your leg. Wow. I guess, you know, they're not allowed to do that anymore, but. They probably had too many people turn around and punch people in the face and stuff. Maybe. It, if, it was, if you initiate a, contact. It was a <laughs> strange sensation, especially when it's so sudden. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Was it warm? That was startling. Um, I don't remember. It just, it just vibrated crazy. Yeah, because I just, I can see that them, the characters who have chainsaws doing that, and then some guy has had a couple of beers and just turns around and cold cocks some dude in the face. Yeah. Because he's like, you touched me. You know what I mean? And that's the yeah, rules now. Right. Don't touch each other. And so I, I could see that. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, our guide, Rick, said that people who start are sometimes like, yeah, I want to do the chainsaw. I want to do the chainsaw. And then two weeks in, they're like, I hate carrying around his chainsaw for six hours a night. Yeah. He said so it doesn't stay running the whole time. You have to keep yeah cranking it and and that's what he was saying about the guy who's the technician you got if your chainsaw's not working you got to go and bring it in the little shop yeah and then have the technician fix it and while you're uh you know having your chainsaw fixed i guess you just scare people regularly hmm. oh did you see that they showed i guess they have like you know like an ROTC style um what do they call that when when you march in formation it's like ROTC whatever it is they had like uh formations of like chainsaw core it was yeah, like yeah. like instead of like the the sword core or like the flag core or whatever you call it mm-hmm. they were like chainsaws and they were doing like turns and like military moves with the chainsaws mm-hmm. and then when that ended they all ran after the people yeah like which is funny because it's like they get everybody's attention mm-hmm. by doing that and it's kind of like what is this and they were doing like full-on steps it looked like a movie yeah and they're in full makeup and they got chainsaws and they're doing these steps this is on the video mm-hmm. They're like, left face, you know, and they're just kind of going with the cadence. And then out of nowhere, they all break and run at the crowd with the different chainsaws. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, something else that was interesting to me. He uh, Rick said that a great way to get jobs that are, like, in the creative department at Halloween Horror Nights or any of the other ones was just start anywhere. Because mm-hmm. it's easier to get promoted within. Yeah. And he said that in the Beetlejuice Graveyard Review... Um, at one point, Wayne Brady was in that, and so was Joey Fatone. Yep. So I thought that was cool, too. hmm So I wanted to see, Jason, you're kind of the pro here. Um, for anyone who's never been to Halloween Horror Nights or haven't been in a while and are thinking, you know, of going, what would you give them as far as suggestions? Do you have any suggestions of what they should or shouldn't do? Buy an express pass. Go during the week. Um, hit up all the haunted houses in order. Don't skip around across the park. Yeah. And then save the shows and any extra rides for last. If you want to do all the haunted houses. Just to make sure you have time. That's good advice. Yep. 
Yeah. So if you do buy a ticket and a fast pass on a weeknight, remember to also use your Coca-Cola products or your Burger King products or any of the other uh, affiliated partners who will uh, afford you a discount. Um, and that'll save you a lot of money. In the end, I think that between the fast pass and the tickets on a weeknight, you'll end up spending somewhere in the neighborhood of, what was it, $78? No, it was 87 something. $87. And so it's a lot of money, especially nowadays, but um, especially if you only do this kind of thing once a year or really save, then um, this is this is worth it if you're into that sort of thing. So... Um, I guess we'll end the October cast with one more poem and, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, give us some feedback. Hopefully you're enjoying these October casts. Um, Jason, how can they reach us on the interweb? Uh, email us at multigeekshow at gmail.com. Yep. And you can definitely search us on Facebook and Twitter and, um, all the other social networking sites you can think of. So, Uh, Let's go ahead and we'll read this poem. And thank you so much for listening. And until next time, uh, boogity boo. Mm -hmm. This poem is called Spooks by Sandra Liazzos. There's a goblin at my window, a monster at my door. The pumpkin at my table keeps on smiling more and more. There's a ghost who haunts my bedroom, a witch whose face is green. They used to be my family, till they dressed for Halloween. We'll talk to you next week. Hey everybody, I'm back. Okay, listen, I'm going to just come right out and say it, because everybody's thinking it. What's going on, multi-geeks? In this last, like, five October cast, you've read more like poems and stories than The View. But, like The View without the monumental ivory smile of Whoopi Goldberg, or the parroting of Barbara Walters from the one white lady who nobody knows. I mean, for serial, what is going on? Anyway... To really spice things up, I think what you need is a limerick from your old pal at the Chupacabra. So, here we go. Put this one in the hopper for it to be fired into the minds and hearts of the viewers and listeners of the Multigate Show. Here we go. This one is dedicated to my girlfriend. There was a young lady whose eyes were unique. As to color and size. When she opened them wide, people all turned aside. Cause she looked just like Magnum P.I. Thank you very much, thank you very much. That for you, multi-geek listeners, was a limerick by Borneo El Chupacabra. It has always not been a pleasure, but you know, I do it for the money. (laughs) 